Assalamu alaikum brothers and sisters, friends. I hope all of you guys are well. So we're going to have an interesting live stream today, inshallah. Um, what I'm intending on doing is presenting to you or sharing some thoughts with you in regards to the psychology of belief, if you like, and how this interacts with evidence and proof. That's something we're going to look at. And then what we'll do is we'll open up to a Q&A at the end. Uh, or just a general question and answer session where we can just, you know, catch up with each other. If you guys have any questions, we can address those questions, inshallah. And yeah, we'll, we'll proceed like that. If you guys have any specific questions related to the content that I cover or the things I'm sharing, and if I miss it and I, I'm not able to answer it while I'm covering the what, what, I, what I intend on covering, uh, please save it till the end, inshallah, and then just drop it into the comments and we will cover it. So without further ado, brothers and sisters, what I wanted to sort of cover today was this idea of evidence and proof and what we consider to be evidence and proof in any given situation or circumstance and one of the things one of the things i wanted to really highlight today or talk about today or discuss with you guys today or share with you today was this idea of when it comes to the existence of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the existence of god what should we consider as proof what should we look at when we talk about proof? Is proof is even needed, necessary? Or is the belief in God innate, natural? Uh, the existence of God necessary to make sense of everything else in the world? And what I simply want to get to and the conclusion I'm going to make, and I'm going to share this with you guys here and then we're going to go through it. The conclusion that I want to share with you is that at the end of the day, when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when it comes to God, it's not about evidence or proof necessarily. It's about the state of one's heart. It's about the internal state of the individual. For those that want to see, they will see. Allah has put enough in this world for us to recognize Him, turn to Him, have a relationship with Him, etc. But for those that want to deny, for those that want to willfully remain blind no evidence is going to be sufficient miracles won't be sufficient right as we're going to see today uh, when we when we cover some of the verses that i want to cover today so without further ado let me go to a particular part of the quran that i want to share with you guys inshallah hopefully you guys can see on your screen let me just pop it up one second so i want to share a particular part or passage from the quran today which is from from the 15th Chapter of the Quran, the 15th surah of the Quran, where, which is Surah Al Hijr, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially the beginning, in the beginning, Allah covers some or highlights some very interesting things. And in particular, Allah is speaking about the disbelievers and the way they reacted to the Prophet. Right? Let's, let's just quickly go through this together. Allah starts by saying, Alif Lam Ra, these are the verses of the book, the clear Quran. The day will come when the disbelievers will certainly wish they had submitted to Allah. So let them eat and enjoy themselves and be diverted by false hope, for they will soon know. We have never destroyed a society without a destined, uh, without a destined term. No people can advance their doom, nor can they delay it. And then Allah says, they say, Oh, to whom the reminder is revealed. Now, this is where it gets interesting. They're speaking to the Prophet. They are challenging him. They're saying to him, 
Oh, to whom the reminder is revealed, you must be insane. So they're calling the Prophet ﷺ a mad person. Why do you not bring us the angels if what you say is true? Now this is this is where I want to sort of start getting us to focus on a particular point. Those that want to deny, those disbelievers, even at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they were requesting the Prophet, peace be upon him, to bring down the angels, to give them some sort of physical, tangible data. Uh, they wanted, basically, they were almost like the empiricists of the day, right? They were asking for empirical evidence for the existence of God. In other parts of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah says, you know, um, even if we were to send down to them scripture written on parchment, special pieces of paper, and they saw it descending from the sky and they felt it with their own hands. I want you guys to really think about this for a second. If this was to happen for them, they saw pieces of scripture coming down on special paper and they could feel it and touch it with their own hands, these people will still deny. They won't accept. And this is letting us into you know, the psychology of those that just don't want to accept the truth. For them, it's not really about evidence. These are excuses, right? They're not looking for evidence. They are looking for excuses, essentially. So they asked the Prophet, peace be upon him, to, you know, they say, why do you not bring down, bring us, uh, why do you not bring us the angels if what you say is true? Then Allah says, we do not send the angels down except for a just cause. And then the end of the disbelievers will not be delayed. Now, this is a very interesting point too. And something I'm going to talk about later, which is the idea that there is an objective behind this existence, brothers and sisters, right? And maybe it's best we cover it here to some extent. Allah has informed us that this life is a test. This life, this span of life that we have, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, Allah knows best how long it is. This is an opportunity for us to attain our paradise. There is a reason for us to be here. Life and death was created to test us. Now, an integral part of the test is to see whether we can use the faculties God has blessed us with to recognize Him and find Him. Now, if Allah was to appear in some, hypothetically speaking, in front of people and say, here I am, the test is over, right? There's no, the test doesn't exist anymore. It's a, it's a done deal. And this is something that's highlighted in this particular verse because if, you know, we, the angels were to be sent down to these people, that's it. The, 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 the punishment wouldn't be delayed a moment further anymore. So if anything, the fact that or the, the, the fact that Allah doesn't send down miracles to these disbelievers in the way or the things that they're asking for is to help them out, to give them a bit more time so they may rectify themselves before it's too late. And then Allah continues in the ninth ayah, He says, it is certainly we who have revealed the reminder and it is certainly we who will preserve it. Indeed, we sent... Uh, we sent messengers before you, O Prophet, among the groups of earlier peoples, but no messenger ever came to them without being mocked. This is how we allow disbelief. Uh, this is how we allow disbelief to steep into the hearts of the wicked. They would not believe in this Quran despite the many examples of those destroyed before. Now, here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding you look, history itself is proof for you. Look at, into history. Look at what happened to the people before. That when they lost their way, they turned away from the Creator, they were destroyed. And this happened over and over and over again. You know, the proof is there for you in the material, physical world as well for you to go and see. And then Allah says, and even if we opened, and this is, this is, this is, these are the two verses I want to really get into with you guys. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and even if we opened 
for them a gate to heaven through which they continue to ascend. Now I want you guys to really think about this for a second. Allah says, وَلَوْ فَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ بَابًا مِنَ السَّمَاءِ فَذَلُّ فِيهِ يَعْرُجُونَ If we opened up a door, literally, a door. Now, from a modern perspective, let's look at it, let's, let's think about this. For those that are the Star, Star Trek fans or those that have watched Star Trek or all of these type of sci-fi movies, imagine for a second, a portal opens up, a dimension opens up, right? You want proof? A dimension opens up and you start, these people start to ascend with this dimension. They start to walk through it and climb through it. They're going through it and they're looking around and they can see this with their own eyes. They realize that then they themselves physically are moving through this portal or gateway into heaven. Imagine this situation. And what is their response? I mean, you want proof? You're not going to get more proof than this. But what is their response? What would their response be? What would their response be? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us. Still they would say, our eyes have truly been dazzled. In fact, we must have been bewitched. And th this is the crux of the matter, brothers and sisters and friends. Those that want to deny, you can show them miracles. Miracles can take place in front of their eyes, but if they want to deny, they will deny. And this highlights to us that it's not about proof. It's not about evidence. They also empirical data, especially in the times that we live in today. Let's come to the 21st century. The atheists will ask for evidence. Give me proof God exists. I want you know, some sort of tangible proof. And when they ask for tangible proof, normally they're requesting some sort of empirical data. Give me some sort of scientific evidence for the existence of God. And what they fail to realize is that God is beyond the material, beyond the physical. God is not a part of his material, physical reality, right? Uh, you're not going to be able to measure God in a test tube. But they want empirical data. Now, and, and I'm going to, I want us to really understand this for a second. Let's, let's go into this discussion for a second here. Why is it that people ask for empirical data, especially in the times that we live in? We know they did this at the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him. They requested to see angels. They requested, you know, for angels to come down and walk amongst them. Allah highlights that if he was to open up a doorway into heaven for them and they climb through it, they will still deny. They will still not believe what they're saying. They will put it down to them, them seeing things or being, you know, magic being done upon them or something. But let's look at the 21st century human being. Why do atheists today, and by extension, unfortunately, some Muslims or ex-Muslims or Muslims that have lost their way, why do they ask for empirical data, an empirical type of evidence? Now, I believe this is for two main reasons. One is the reason we've already touched upon, which is that it's an excuse. It's an excuse for them to not have to believe. It's an excuse for them so they can just bide time, you know, just get keep on going without believing and just put the try to throw the ball in your court and not have to deal with the with reality. That's one reason. But the other reason is that we are born into a world which promotes a particular idea, a philosophy, a way of looking at reality. And the idea that's pushed is, well, seeing is believing. That's the simplest way I can put it. Scientific data, empirical evidence is the only real type of evidence that you should take seriously. That's the idea that's pushed. And this idea is not a, you know, it's not a... Uh, it's not a new occurrence. It's not something 
uh, that's just happened in the past 10 years or 15 years. It's something that's been going on since the 18th century. See, during the period of enlightenment, as I've mentioned many times before, there was a new vision that was sold to the world. Humanity was sold a new vision, which was, look, turn your faces away from the afterlife, turn your faces away from God and focus on the material world. Your new goal is to attain a worldly utopia, to build paradise on earth. And to now facilitate this, you needed manpower, right? But people at the time, their psychology was, was a derivative. It, it was it stemmed, it, it found its roots in theology. Although it be Christian theology, but that's where the roots were of their psychology, the way they thought, the way they understood themselves, the self, and the way they, the way they understood the world. So they had to undo this. They had to somehow get across to humanity that human beings were a blank slate and the only way we can understand the world was through empirical data. And this is why we find in the writings of John Locke, for example, uh, who pushed this sort of imperative, this, this empiricist narrative from a very interesting angle. In his writings, he wrote about something called the tabula rasa, that we were blank slates. Human beings are blank slates. We're born clean. Empty, just like the whiteboard behind me, it's blank. There's nothing on it. You're born without any information or knowledge, right? Undermining the fitra, undermining innate knowledge, something which was recognized almost universally prior to this time, even amongst the Christian world. So he pushed this idea of tabula rasa, or blank slate. And he also pushed this idea, the only way we learn and we acquire knowledge is through sense data. You know, things we pick up through our senses, we look at the world, we study the world through our five senses, we take in information and then we learn. That's how we learn. That's how we develop knowledge. And the reason he wanted to push this type of understanding and, and he developed this new psychology, I know he also undermined the soul from different perspectives, but we don't need to go get into detail uh, in regards to that today. But the reason he wanted to sort of sell this new psychological package, if you like, to humanity was because they wanted human beings which were malleable now. They wanted to shape human beings in a way, their psyches in a way which could be conducive to this new world vision, which was to of a worldly utopia, right? Now, the way they did this was, okay, for human beings, a blank slate, well, all you have to do now is feed them information you want to feed them, teach them what you want to teach them, shape their minds the way you want to shape their minds. And then at the end of it, through their schooling, you will get a product, a human being, who's ready to be inserted into the system as a cog that would help to facilitate this new vision, right? To, for, for this new vision to really take off, you had to really disconnect man and woman from their nature, from God, from any concept of innate knowledge, from any concept of the self, the soul, right? And this is what they achieved to a great extent. Obviously, what they didn't realize was this will come and back, bite them in the backside because you can't strip away man's nature from man. It, it's, it, there is a fitra, there is a nature to man, and a part of the nature is to recognize God and to worship God. You can't, you can't separate that from human beings. You can only keep them deceived from this reality or deluded from this reality for so long before it awakens again or it calls out to them from within them again, right? So... This was what happened and therefore we now are born into a world which you know, has this, these ideas that are promoted, which is you know, seeing is believing. 
uh, empirical data is the only real type of data or empirical evidence is the only real type of evidence. The empiricists at the time would really, they were really cutthroat. They really pushed this idea that if it's not empirical data, it's just, you shouldn't even consider it. It's not, it's not even evidence. It's not even proof. It's nothing. Obviously now the new atheists today have taken this to another level and they still push these ideas as well. You'll find new atheists who ascribe to scientism. They push the idea that science is the only way to truth, etc. So it's this type of world that we're born in which shapes our minds. Therefore, even when it comes to the question of God, we apply the same standard. Oh, everything could be understood or everything should be understood via the empirical method. For us to believe in anything, we should have empirical data, scientific data. It should be proven through science. But what people fail to realize is that there are many routes to knowledge. And you can't learn about everything via the empirical method. Take, for example, morality, morals, ethics. Science is amoral. It's not going to tell you what's right and wrong, what's good and bad. It's not in the scope of science. So when it comes to the question of God, God is not a part of his material, physical creation. God is above and beyond this. He transcends his material, physical creation. Therefore, you can't put God in a test tube. How are you going to measure God? Science is limited to the physical material world, the observable world. right? As Bertrand Russell said, science is an attempt to discover by means of observation and you reason upon those observations to try and understand particular facts about the world, the material world. You can't go beyond this. The scientific method doesn't have a foot in the door when it comes to the question of God or any other you know, metaphysical realities. It's, it's, it's beyond the scope of science. Science is a beautiful method. It's an amazing tool. It's a blessing from God, I would say, but we have to keep it within its place and use it in the right way. But unfortunately, what some people do, or many people today, especially the atheists, they take science out of its, its scope and its realm and they apply it to everything generally across the board. And therefore, they apply it to God as well. And sometimes it's out of ignorance. They don't know any better. But sometimes the other reason is, as I said already, it's just an excuse. It's an excuse to buy time so they don't have to acknowledge the truth. Okay? So that's something I wanted to really clarify and highlight that, you know, number one, people, it's just because people don't understand that science doesn't answer all questions. Science can't tell you about everything. And number two, it's because it's just an excuse, as in highlighted in these particular verses. The people that don't want to accept the reality, don't want to accept the truth, they would find excuses. And the excuses they would turn to at the time of the Prophet, and even today, is oh. Why don't the angels come down? Why doesn't God come down? Why can't I see God? You know, why doesn't God, you know, do X, Y, and Z? Show me something physical, something tangible. Anyway, let's continue here. So, Allah says, still they would say, if Allah was to open up a gateway into heaven, a doorway, and they ascended through it, they will still say, our eyes have truly been dazzled. You know, we've been bewitched. And then Allah says, indeed, we have placed constellations in the sky and adorned, uh, and adorned it for, or beautified it for all to see. Buruj normally is referring to stars, big stars, you know. Um, no, sometimes you can say it referring to planets from our solar system because they're normally the biggest stars that we see in the night sky, but it could refers to just stars, big bright stars. Burujan were uh Sorry, So Allah has beautified the 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 star the the, the 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 heavens with these big stars, adorned them 
for all to see, for the people to see, for them, for those that can see that have sight. Now, what's 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 absolutely stunning here, brothers and sisters, and something I want us to really think about is just the shift here, guys. I want us to really appreciate the shift here. The shift is mind blowing. What Allah Subhanahu wa Taala does in this ayah. Look, let's look at this again. Let me just make the screen bigger so we can see this. And this is the power of the Quran, Wallahi, brothers and sisters. Up until now, up until the 15th verse, the 15th ayah, Allah is speaking about the disbelievers and the way they make excuses and the way they deny the Prophet the way they ask for ridiculous things for the angels to come down, etc. Then Allah says, even if we were to open up a doorway into heaven for them and they were to climb through it and they, was to give, they were given empirical evidence, they will still deny. They'll make up an excuse. And then Allah says, that indeed we have placed constellations in the sky and adorned it for all to see. There's a quick shift from talking about miraculous things to talking about things which are right in front of us. Allah brings us back down to earth. Okay, now let's quickly focus on the things that are around us. Let's look at the stars. Let's think about the stars. Allah's talking about the heavens and miracles taking place within the heavens, doorways opening up in, he in the heavens. And then Allah immediately goes to talking about the stars. Something every single one of us can see and appreciate. It's almost as if Allah is saying, for those that want to see what I've given you, as far as my signs in the world, in particular, let's talk about the stars here, those signs are enough. They've been beautified, they've been adorned, they've been set and placed in a way that for those that want to see, for those with insight, they can see the truth through them. Those signs are enough for these people. And that's it's so profound when you think about it, subhanAllah. It's so humbling. Allah just smashes, destroys completely the mindset of the disbeliever, the way they're making excuses, and then suddenly brings us back to you know, ground zero. Come back to reality. You've been given enough. Look at the signs. Look at the stars. And brothers and sisters, wallahi, when you... I mean, here's something I want us to appreciate. Let me present it to you in this way, okay? Let me just make the screen normal size. Okay, here's what here's something I want you guys to really think about for a second. Let's look at it like this. Scientific data, empirical data, or science versus science. That's the comparison that's been made right here, right now. Okay? Science versus science. Obviously, as Muslims, we appreciate there is a place for science. You use science when you want to study the world the material world and, and understand it and etc, etc, etc. But to misuse it and misapply it is where, it's, where you're going wrong, right? And to apply it to God, it's either you're doing it because you're making an excuse or that you're just ignorant, okay? Now, science versus science. Something, so, something profound about Allah encouraging us to look at His signs and to reflect upon His signs and those being enough is something I want us to really appreciate here. Science, I want you to see as junk food for a second. Not that it's bad, within its context is good. But think of science as junk food and think of the signs of Allah as whole food. Now, what's the difference between junk food and whole food? Junk food is easy to access. You can easily get hold of it. It has a certain taste to it, right? You start to enjoy it. If you have too much of it, you get really addicted to it. But it's not good for you. It doesn't take much preparation. It's not good for your digestive system. It's not good for your overall health. It doesn't nourish you, right? It's not doing justice to you as a human being and your, your entire body, right? Whereas whole food 
it takes a bit more effort to prepare and to source. It, initially, you may not, if you're not, if you're used to junk food, you may not enjoy the taste initially, but you become, be, begin to appreciate the refined taste of whole food. And on top of this, the greater thing is that it does justice to your body, to your digestive system, right? It's in line with your body. You eat it, you digest it, it nourishes your body, it gives you energy, it gives you strength, right? It gives you health, vitality, it gives you everything. Now the comparison I'm making here is that when it comes to Allah's existence, to ask for empirical data compared to asking or observing and understanding and grappling with the signs of Allah is like comparing junk food to whole food. It, when you get, if you if you were to be given empirical data, oh, you see the angels. How is that doing justice to what you are as a human being, to the faculties that Allah has blessed you with? You know, even like, think of it this way: if you're in a room, right, or in a building, and there's a fire, okay, there's a fire outside. Say you're in the building, you're sitting there, and there's a little cat in the corner, and there's a dog in this corner, and there's a few other animals, some monkeys jumping around. And suddenly there is an announcement that's made on the microphone. There is a fire in the building, please evacuate. Okay, there's an announcement that's made. What are you going to do as a sane, rational human being? You're going to get up, you're going to get out. What's the cat and the dog going to do? What's the monkey going to do? Are they going to listen to that message, understand it, process it, think about the implications and walk? No. They're going to sit there, they're going to carry on swinging, carry on you know, doing what they're doing until they see the fire themselves. But it may be too late then. Allah is trying to elevate us, brothers and sisters. He's reminding us throughout the Quran that we are a very special being. We have the aql, we have an intelligence, we have rational faculties, we have been given minds to use. They're there to use. Use them in the right way. Right? You, you, you don't waste them. Don't just stick to one way of looking at things. Oh, I've seen it, it exists. This screen is in front of me exists. How much effort does it take for you to do that? Not much at all. It's like saying, it's like, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's like saying, say uh, this laptop I'm, I'm using right now, imagine I decided to use it as a pillow or if I decided to use it as a fly squatter, a fly squatter, you know, the thing that you, the, the little spatulas you use to kill flies. Imagine I chose, you, if, I, if I decided to use my laptop as something to kill flies with, do you think I'm using the laptop to its fullest potential? Am I using it for the way it's intended to be used? No. That would be silly. It would be ridiculous for me to do that. And essentially what I'm trying to get at is that we as human beings have been blessed with certain faculties and abilities. To always ask for, oh, if I don't see it, it doesn't exist. If I see it, okay, I'm happy. I've seen the bottle, the bottle exists. It's not doing justice to you as a human being and your faculties. Use them. Allah wants you to use them. Right? And the way you're going to use them, going back to the signs of Allah, that's like whole food. It takes effort. It takes energy. You know, you have to grapple with the signs of Allah. It takes mental power to be able to, let's look at the stars as Allah mentions the stars. Think about the stars. If you guys can see, if any of you guys can see the stars right now, look at the stars in the night sky. Just think about the stars for a second, a clear night sky. You're sitting out somewhere in the middle of a desert and you can see the stars in all their glory. The stars themselves are not direct proof of Allah. You don't see the stars or God exists. No. But they are a sign. It takes a bit of effort. You have to look at the stars. 
ponder upon the stars, reflect upon them, think about in the in the eye of your mind, inside your head, what are the causal links that have had to be in place for these stars to maintain the positions they're maintaining today? What were all the causes that were required for that star to be there in the sky, in the night sky, for me to observe it today and to see it? And to not only see it, but to appreciate its beauty. What are all the causal links? Traverse them in the, in the eye of your mind. That takes effort. But there's a joy in this. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a certain taste to this. There's a, there's a certain type of ecstasy to, to just using your faculties to observe and grapple with the signs of Allah. I'm going to try to understand this. I'm going to try to get to the bottom of this. I'm going to use all my faculties, my energies and my power to do this. Think about the stars. What were all the causes necessary for the stars to be there? Why are they so beautiful? What is it about them that makes them beautiful? Think about these things. Traverse in the eye of your mind. Go back through the causal chain. All of the causes that were needed for the stars to be there until you get to the end. And you, when you get to the end, you realize it's Allah. Allah is behind all of these things. Look at the leaf on a tree. Don't just look at it and walk by, oh, leaf. Start to do this, brothers and sisters. We've lost the art of pondering over the signs of Allah. This is something Shaykh Fahad Taslim in his last session with me, something really blew my mind when he said, we have to have a science-based approach. And, and I was thinking about this, and then it hit me. One of the beautiful things about this is, is, that, is that it does justice to you being a human being, to the faculties that Allah has blessed you with. Because it's not easy. Look at the leaf, reflect upon the leaf. What were all the causes necessary for that leaf to be on that tree, on that branch? What were all the things that needed to be in place? Think about it. Traverse it. Go back. The leaf needed sun, energy from the sun, light from the sun to grow. And the more you have knowledge of these things, the more you can ponder and reflect. The sun, the light of the sun had to be there for you know whatever processes, the photosynthesis, whatever it is, I don't know the science, but to take place within the leaf. And then it grew over time. What were the factors that needed for it to grow? The water had to be there. Where did the water come from? The rain had to you know, come down. All of the factors that needed to be in place. That tree, if you traverse all the way back, that tree had to be planted. The earth had to be fertile. If you go all the way back, you will end up with Allah. <laughs> There's no other way. Look at yourself in the mirror. What were all the factors necessary for me to be here today staring at myself in the mirror? Doesn't Allah say, خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانَ مِن نُطْفَةٍ That He created man from a drop of fluid. Wow, it's been 20 years, 30 years, and look at me now, I can see myself in the mirror. What were all the causal effects, the, 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 the causal chain that had to be in place for me to get here today? And when you traverse it and you think about it and you ponder over it, you will see it's Allah. And that's us as human beings exercising our rational faculties, really doing justice to them. You know, subhanAllah, brothers and sisters, well, like we, 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 we ourselves, we don't realize it, but we're also born in the very same world that these atheists are born into. So therefore, we are also affected by certain, you know, types of thought. And we are also, because we've gone through the same schooling, we are also have this in the back of our minds that, you know, empirical data is the best type of, you know, empirical evidence is the best type of evidence. It's the only type of evidence. It's the most profound type of evidence. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. There are many routes to knowledge. Start to exercise your brain. Reject the things that are sold to you or are taught to us that have no basis. Science is the only way to truth. It's the best way to you know understand all of reality. This is nonsense. Break free from these 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 shackles that have been put on us. You know by those thinkers that wanted to shape the world in a particular way. Break free from this. We're Muslim. Allah's given us the ultimate guide, the Quran. 
think in the way Allah wants you to think. Develop your minds and your brains in that particular way. And that's the way we're going to grow and we're going to develop and we're going to really become, you know, the fullest version of ourselves. Use your mind, ponder over the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And honestly, brothers and sisters, I'll share a quick story and then we'll go to QA. And I've been going on for about half an hour. You know, going back to the stars, and Allah mentions the stars several times throughout the Quran as his, as his signs, the heavens as his signs. Wallahi, brothers and sisters, you know, one of the when I was going through one of the most darkest, lowest moments of my life before I started practicing and knew anything about Islam, and I, I, I experienced a lot of depression and anxiety. And, and if anyone's seen the, the podcast on Ira, you know my story. I went through a phase of existential crises. I was just broken. I didn't know what the meaning of life was, why I'm here, what's it all about. And there was... There, you know, there were points where I'd really be so low that I just wouldn't see the purpose in continuing or doing anything. And at my lowest moments, one of the things I would do sometimes, I would just walk out, just go for a walk. And it would be strange, wallahi, it would be so strange that when I would look up at the night sky and look up at the stars, my pain, my worries, my anxiety, my troubles would suddenly just evaporate. They would disappear. At least momentarily, although, but, but they would disappear. The time I would spend looking up at the, the sky and the stars, they would disappear. And I could never really understand why that would happen. And, the, and, and, and I, I've, I've thought about this a lot, you know, especially since then. And I've, and I've added this as a section in my book as well, but I think there's a few reasons that would happen. And it happens to all of us. Number one, because when we look up at the, the sky, one of the things that hits you straight away about these the stars as signs of Allah is just the just sheer majesty of the heavens, the sky, the stars. It just blows you away. Just the great expanse of the universe. It blows you away. It, it reminds you of how insignificant you are. And when you realize how insignificant you are, you realize how insignificant your problems are. When you realize how insignificant you are in comparison to this whole universe, it reminds you of how insignificant your problems are. And you give your problems less weight momentarily as you're looking up at the heavens. And when your problems mean nothing, mean very little, it's gone. The burden's gone, the pain's gone. That's one thing. The second thing I think I think that would happen is, is that when you look at the stars, and I will see the stars on occasions you see that they maintain their position you know relative to each other they appear depending on the seasons obviously but they appear to maintain the balance the 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 order in the night sky these are huge celestial bodies brothers and sisters i mean we don't even know i, I don't even know how big our sun is but the stars we see in the night sky are you know sometimes 200 times 300 times 400 times bigger than our own sun these are huge celestial bodies and they're maintaining their position. They have been maintaining their position. And obviously moving relative to their course within, within the, the universe. But there is an order to them. Hence we have constellations. And when you look at that, it reminds you that subhanAllah, you know, and I, this, is, this will be my thinking at the time, that the one that's, that's maintaining the order of these stars, whatever's maintaining the order of these stars and has the power to do so, is also maintaining the order of my life. So, and, and just understanding that removes the worry. Because you know there's something that's taking care of you. Life isn't just this volatile mess of random atoms and molecules which have just popped into existence and have taken certain forms. 
as the atheist would, as the atheist world pushes you to believe and, and accept. So, point being, you know, even for a non-Muslim, I would say, and I would consider myself not a Muslim at a certain point in my life, but if they were to sincerely and honestly just reflect upon the stars or any of the other signs, the world around us, and take the time to do this, and this is another thing, we live in a world which is so fast-paced that we don't have time to reflect over the signs, right? These things, just sit there and ponder. Because this is a form of worship, brothers and sisters. Some of the companions would do this. They will sit and just reflect and ponder upon the creation of the heavens and the earth. But we don't have time to do this. Not only do we not have the time to do this, we don't have the, we've lost the, that muscle to do that. You know, we just don't, we just struggle to do this. But like with your muscles of your body, the more you train them, the more better they become. So start training that muscle, that, that ability to appreciate and ponder upon and reflect upon and grapple with the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, the more you do this, the more you'll be able to appreciate these. We will be able to appreciate these signs. You know, and if a not sincere non-Muslim were to do this, I really believe these things will lead into to the creator. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran over and over again makes mention of his signs. There's no you know deductive arguments in the Quran, syllogisms in the Quran, you know, scientific equations in the Quran, or mathematical equations, or you know, uh, empirical data in the Quran. What does Allah refer to? His signs continuously points us towards his signs. So this is something we need to do. We need to reflect upon the signs of Allah. So in summary, guys, one the few things I want you to take away from today. Number one is open your mind from the perspective that there are many ways to knowing about things, coming to the truth of things. Depending on the thing, it'll be it's relative. The route to knowledge is relative. If you want to study about, I don't know, the way the physical heart pumps blood around the body, science is your method. Right? If you want to study the body, you want to study anything else that's material or physical and get an understanding of how those physical material things in the, in the world work, science is the way. But if you want to, for example, speak about morals, well then science isn't the way. You, you, know, you may have to look elsewhere. When it comes to the question of God, the way, the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to engage in understanding our creator is through his signs. Through, through reflecting upon his signs, pondering over his signs, grappling with them, you know, trying to see through them. So understand this, number one, that there are many routes to knowledge. And when it comes to the existence of God, trying to apply the scientific method to God is just silly, it's ridiculous. Number two, start to develop a science-based approach, as Sheikh Fahad Islam says, which is to reflect upon the signs of God, ponder upon them, and start to develop those muscles, those brain muscles to be able to do this. You know, spend some time if it's, you know, maybe 10 minutes a day or, you know, even once a week. But just try to do this. If that means leaving the city for a while, that may, if that works for you, then do that. If you live in a city, sometimes the city prevents you from being able to do this. I mean, either you've got pollution, which is not allowing us to see the stars, or then you have the street lamps, which prevent you from seeing the beauty of the stars and in the night sky. Uh, so if it means getting away from the city, do this. Start to reflect upon the signs of God. And start to essentially exercise those muscles. And thirdly, Realize that in grappling with the signs of Allah, that's where that true joy and ecstasy lies for the human being. That's where the human being is fully using himself, you know, his faculties, really pushing your faculties to the limit to try and see past or through those signs and see where they lead you to connect the dots in your mind. That's powerful. And we need to start doing this as Muslims. You know, it's a very powerful thing to do. So I, I leave I leave what I wanted to discuss at that, inshallah. I hope that was uh, beneficial, brothers and sisters. Questions. Let's go to your questions, inshallah, now. Let's see if there's any questions you guys have asked. If you have any questions, please do uh, share them now, inshallah. Also, please share 
this so other people can can benefit from this too inshallah um let's see um questions okay i'm just flicking through your questions guys inshallah so be bear uh, bear with me inshallah SC debate says without God there is no morality. Absolutely. So here's an interesting point. I think it's Shinigami says, I'd say it's arrogance and pride. The idea of humbling themselves is what they don't like. Absolutely. This is one of the biggest barriers to guidance. Because people forget. Human beings forget, we become extremely arrogant. See, Allah's given us some very, He's given us some superpowers, right? You can call them superpowers. The intellect, rational faculties, bayan, intelligent speech, the ability to, you know, consciously observe, and not only observe, but to understand the world, to connect dots, you know, to find out about things, to discover things, to learn about things, to acquire knowledge. Uh, all of these things are superpowers. Free will. You know, the ability to choose to do what you want to do. And what happens is these, you know, human beings, we're, we're, you know, we just, uh, unfortunately, we misuse these powers we, and they lead to arrogance because we, they just get to our head. And arrogance and pride is a, uh, is a barrier to guidance. Humility is the key to opening the door to guidance. Allah doesn't need us. Allah is free of need. Allah says He's, uh, he is ghani. You know, uh, He is the one that's rich, free of need. We are the ones that are poor in front of our Creator. We are the ones that are in need of Him. And if you're not going to realize that first and foremost, of how weak you are and how 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 weak we are in front of our Creator, how much and how much we are in need of Him, how are you going to be guided? If you if you think you know it all, well, you're not going to know anything else. So it's 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 very true. What you said, bro. You know, arrogance is the biggest barrier for many atheists, unfortunately. You know what's very interesting, subhanAllah, I was thinking about this. He's the most arrogant of atheists. Take Richard Dawkins, for example. The irony is, the, the, the atheist predicament, if you like, is that they, in some cases, can't escape remembering God. Well, in, in all cases. They probably remember God more than Muslims remember God sometimes. They're always thinking about God. They're always making videos about God, writing books against God, holding events about you know God or against God. God occupies their mind. But their remembrance of God, their dhikr, if you like, is leading to nothing but agitation, frustration, anger, depression, anxiety in this life, and it's not going to lead to nothing good in the next life. Only if they were to remember God in the right way. You know, all that remembrance would benefit them so much more in this life and in the hereafter. But they're blind, and it's arrogance which prevents them, you know, which, which is the biggest problem. Okay. Okay, let's see. Mustafa says, I agree, even if they see miracles, they still won't believe in Allah. The best miracle is the Quran. We should employ it to guide the millions who are lost. Absolutely. Beautiful point, brother Mustafa. Uh, the Quran is the greatest miracle amongst us today as humanity. You know, funny thing is, you know, they're spending... You know how many how many millions do they spend spend on space research in particular, looking into uh, in search of life you know extraterrestrial life out there, millions and millions of dollars man every year are pumped into this to try to find life out there, 
to try to find or pick up on some sort of message from outer space. And, they, and, and they're completely blind to the message that has come from beyond space. And not only from another life form, but from the creator of the heavens and the earth. A miracle that's amidst, amidst us. Literally, you know, a miracle. In the Arabic, a miracle. But people are blind. And again, it all boils down to arrogance. Pride and arrogance is the biggest barrier for most people. Um, so yeah, and, and again, your second point about we should use the Qur'an, employ the Qur'an in our da'wah. We have to move away from this mindset, brothers and sisters. Wallahi, we're plagued by certain uh, ways of looking at things which we need to overcome. Why is our da'wah so focused on logical arguments, rational arguments, um, you know, philosophical discussions? And I'm asking myself the question, why is our da'wah based on all of these things? How often do you see du'at, including myself, and all of us, because everyone, maybe you guys here may be giving da'wah to your own capacity as well, but how often do you, do you do yourselves or see Muslims give da'wah using the Qur'an directly? Why don't we do it? Because somewhere in our minds, we may not think of it this way, but somewhere there's this idea that rational arguments, <laughs> may Allah forgive us, but that rational arguments are more potent or more useful or more powerful. When it's not the case, the reality is what Allah has given us in the Quran is enough for the sincere person. What He's given us in His closed book, and as the scholar said, the open book, which is the universe, the physical world around us, is enough for the sincere person to find the Creator. So we need to use we need to we need to use the Quran. I mean, brothers and sisters, well, I think about this. Yeah, I'm sure most of you have had Christian missionaries knocking at your door at some point in your life, right? <clears throat> when they knock at your door, guys. What do you when you look at their physical physical appearance, them physically, what's something that sticks in your mind? What do you remember? For me, it's two things. Obviously, they, they're dressed really well, right? They're wearing suits and ties and etc. But the second thing is they always have a Bible under their arm. They don't know what they're talking about in most cases, but they're always carrying a copy of the Bible. They refer to scripture. How many times do we carry a copy of the Quran with us in our da'wah? How many times do we use the Quran to give da'wah to people? Directly, where we open it up and we read something to them, or something from something we've memorized, you know. So it's a it's a very big thing, guys, and we need to we need to really consider this, rewire our thinking about evidence and proofs, understand the psychology of human beings and the way it works when it comes to belief and disbelief. Hopefully, some of the things we've covered today will give us some insight into this, and then take the right approach with people, inshallah. Okay, let's see if there's any other any questions. Yeah, very good point uh, summarized by Marcel. Indeed, that's what uh, is left of Western thought after Hegel. The end of metaphysics, empiricism is equal to reality, rationality, and a priori knowledge is equal to speculation. Absolutely, very nice way of putting it. You know, it, it's it, it's it was all to facilitate for that grand vision that they wanted to sell humanity. Everything was a cog in that that vision to facilitate that vision. Uh, and yeah, hence you had the pos logical positivists and the empiricists you know obviously they had their own disputes amongst each other as well but the general idea was that science is the only way to truth or the only way we should consider uh, you know as substantial and it was a disservice to humanity man honestly in, in so many ways although they thought they were doing something positive for humanity which sure there was good that came out of it but they lost the balance in the process 
we had amazing developments from a material physical perspective in the world in the industrial revolution took off that's obviously is debatable and 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 you know it's a whole another topic in itself is how how this focus of attaining the world has resulted and the things is resulted in the positives as well as the negatives that have come out of it and there's been some great negatives you know world the world wars uh, colonialism uh, global warming you know destroying climate change all of these types of crazy things this is a result of the modern uh, the, the enlightenment thought literally that's where it's 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 come from and and it's because the balance was thrown off and uh, we're not going to go into it in this life but as soon as they, you know the idea was turn away from god focus on the material world well as soon as you turn away from god you lose your ethical and moral bearings and ethics and morals are necessary you know a necessary tool a human being needs to be able to use power in the right way you know and and so they don't we don't end up causing more damage obviously they didn't think about this or they didn't realize this or didn't want to realize this anyway uh, let's move on uh, Ibrahim says fitra is the biggest evidence on so many levels uh, aspects and understanding absolutely the fitra is see again to, if you talk about the fitra today you know you may go try mentioning the fitra to uh, John down the road and he will probably laugh at you look at you confused the, from the simplest person to the professors the PhDs talk about innate knowledge they'll be or you know, they'll just look at you in funny in most cases again because it comes down to this sort of the way we see the world and the way we see evidence one of the things that was done away with at that time was any concept of innate knowledge tabula rasa like we said was established you're a blank slate there's no room for a human being being born with a certain type of innate knowledge recognition you know so uh, although that is the greatest proof and the funny thing is when it comes to uh, and you can relate this to something Hamza does in his book as well is that if you look at all spheres of knowledge fundamentally they're all based upon a foundation which cannot be proven, on axioms which cannot be proven. Assumptions that cannot be proven. Scient the scientific method itself is based on assumptions and axioms which cannot be proven empirically. They are the foundations without which you won't have science. <laughs> That's the funny thing. that they, they, It's their first principles that they have. Every sphere or every discipline has first principles. Our first principle is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We begin with Allah and everything revolves around that. Okay. Let's see. So Muhammad says, and these I'm I'm working through the top guys. So some of these comments may be old, and we may have addressed these things already in in what I covered. But anyway, we'll we'll do it again just to reiterate. We are all brainwashed to be science crazy nuts. Oh, that's a statement. It's not a question. But yeah, in a way, yeah, in a way. In a way. And you'll notice this. I mean, if you ask yourself, ask yourself the question, what are you more likely to believe in? Things that come via the scientific method or otherwise? But the problem is, we think it's one or the other. We think to know about anything and everything, you can apply the scientific method. or So, so the different routes to knowledge apply equally across different spheres. And different things you can know about. That's not true. Some things can only be known via the empirical method. But other things can only be known via a non-empirical method. Through testimony or some other routes to knowledge. Right? So we need to understand it in that way. It's relative. The way we get to know about something 
is relative to the thing we're trying to know and understand. That's another key that we need to understand here. Okay, let's see. Okay, I'm just trying to flick through the questions, mashallah. Some of you guys have made some really profound statements, which are true, um, but I'm not going to go through all of them. I'm just going to, I'm reading them myself, but I'm not going to put them up just so we can address the questions. Okay. So this is a good question by Ibrahim. He says, can you claim the scientific method itself can discover the metaphysics in the future? So why are they so inconsistent to their own assumptions? Okay, so here's a, a good point. Sometimes atheists would say, well, science will eventually tell us. You know, Science will eventually get to the bottom of X or Y or Z. They say that because the assumption is science is the only way and the to truth and science can tell you about everything. That's the underlying assumption, which is false. And therefore they say that, okay, we may not understand something right now, but science will eventually tell us. Like some, science can't tell us about what's good or bad, right or wrong right now. But eventually science will be able to give us a science of morals, if you like, or tell us about morals. Science can't tell us about God right now or how the universe came into existence or came to be. But eventually science will tell us where the universe came from. But this is not true because they don't understand the scope of science. Science can't tell you what about things that are beyond observation. You can't tell you about things that lie beyond the material physical universe because science does you don't have access to those things in a in an empirical sense. You can't observe those things. You know, uh, concepts such as justice, you know, uh, good, bad, these are concepts, these are true concepts, we would say. And and true things, but you, they, you can't empirically test them in, you know, in, you can't put them in, you can't put justice in a test tube and test it because it's not physical, it's not material, right? So you can't observe it in a way you can observe a table or a chair. So it's beyond the scientific method. And this is, I'm trying to put it as, as, uh, make it simple as I can for us, us to understand. But hopefully that clarifies the point, bro. Science is a method. It's a beautiful method, but it has a scope. You know, it has limitations. But what some atheists want to do is they want to present science as the be-all and end-all of uh, the roots to knowledge. It's the only way that we need to be concerned about. That's what they want to push. If you guys want, I put up a clip recently of my my last debate where I was discussing this with, I think his name was John Richards. And his thing was that, you know, science is the only way to truth. And he was he was clutching at straws, man, until the very end. He didn't want to let go of, of that view. And he just wouldn't answer my question in regards to testimony. Uh, but definitely check that out, and that will give you a bit more insight into those type of atheists who really want to push this type of uh, science is the only way to truth uh, idea. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, so mashallah, some of you guys again, your own beautiful little points that you've been sharing, which are you know profound, and jazakallah khair for sharing them. Because mashallah, some of you guys summarize some of the points we made in a very nice and concise way. Okay, let me go right to the bottom. Um, 
Okay, so here's a question by Abdul Rahman. Mashallah, beautiful name. Uh, he says, What do you say to the atheists who say heaven and hell aren't real? I'd say you haven't empirically seen them. So how are you denying them? Uh, and you can't empirically test if they are not real. Yeah, so that's one way of looking at it. Turn the tables upon them. Because look, their whole premise is, if, if their premise is that science is the only way to truth, empiricism is the way to truth. So from their perspective, when it comes to heaven and hell, they're not going to accept it. They're going to be like, oh, I, I can't, uh, I haven't seen it. I can't test it. Therefore, it doesn't exist. Well, hold on a second. Just because you can't test it or you haven't seen it, it doesn't now immediately follow that they don't exist. If anything, you have to remain skeptical about it because you haven't disproven it either, right? Because because you haven't, you just don't know. You just don't know. The, the position they have to hold is, well, I don't know. It's It's possible they exist. Or, or, and it's possible they don't exist from their perspective If they follow that hard way of looking at things And if that's the case If there's a chance they exist Well then they should really pay attention Because it's not a joke The fire of hell is not a joke right? Similar going back to the example I presented earlier About being in a building with some animals And there's an announcement that's, that's made on the speakerphone Well there's a fire There's a fire in the building So please evacuate Now one of the, one of the reasons we would evacuate the building in that scenario is because we're talking about a fire. Something that can harm us and do, do you know great harm to us. So that's something that's factored in in our thinking when we decide, before we decide to leave the building. If they said, if the announcement that was made was, uh, oh, the, you know, we have just painted the, the walls blue in room 301, so please leave the building. I mean, some people may not leave the building because it's not that significant. Painting the rooms in a, uh, the walls in another room is not really relevant. But when there's a fire in the building, okay, you're going to move because now this is serious. This is something that can harm you. Now, when it comes to back to the point, if it's something that the atheists can't disprove nor prove empirically, and they have to therefore remain, you know, they have to just remain agnostic about it, if you like. And it's it's the fire of hell, something we're talking about, which is you know no one wants to experience. Well, then that's that's reason to be alarmed and reason to look into these things a bit further and to consider them and take them seriously, you know. So, so I, that's what I'd say in regards to that, inshallah. Okay, let's go. Yeah, Dawkins, uh, mashallah, Dawkins admits in his book, A Devil's Chaplain, that science cannot disprove God. Absolutely, yeah. He's a bag of contradictions, man, this guy. Honestly, he says one thing, then he says another thing. You know, maybe it's old age or I don't know what it is. May Allah, may God guide him, man, because he's, he's heading for trouble, honestly. Okay. Okay, so Ninja Fisa Fisi, I think, says, Brother, what do you think may be the greatest evidence for the existence of God? Okay, so the way I like to see it is this. Firstly, number one, I would say, you know, the world, existence, the existence itself. Again, going back to the signs, the existence itself is a sign that points back towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The world around us, our, everything, everything. Everything, every atom is a sign that Allah exists. That's as simple as it is. Allah says in the Quran, in the beginning of the Quran, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. When he says he is Rabb, the provider, creator, master, 
sustainer of the worlds. Alameen, this word is very interesting because it comes from alama, which has other words which come from this very root, such as alama uh, or alamatun, which is a sign. Uh, it, it's, it's something that points you towards something else, right? Something that points you towards something else. Now the world itself, when Allah says He's Rabbil Alameen, He's Lord of the worlds, another thing we can, if we're going to do a bit of a, uh, a pondering upon this or a reflection upon this, look into this a bit deeper, one thing we can say is that Allah is the Rabb, the Lord, the Master of the worlds which are a sign that point back towards Him. Everything is a sign. This is why Allah refers to His creation as sign. That's why He tells us to reflect over specific things because they're all a sign. Everything is a sign. He will show them, show them uh, His signs within the heavens and within themselves, as Allah says, within ourselves. So His signs, just pondering upon the world, the world around us. It's very, it's an intuitive thing. I mean, if you just sit back for a second, I mean, and I, I want all of you guys to do this, just just think for a second. Just do it now. Just do it now. Just just stop for a second. Look at the, just look at things around you. If there's a car horn going off outside like it is for me, think about that. Think about the wind that's blowing outside. Think about yourself, your hands, your arms, you know, the fact that you're thinking, that you're a self, you're a, you're a person, that you're breathing. Think about these things for a second and you realize, you know, and there'll be a moment of subhanAllah that where did, how did all this all come to be? You know, again, like I said, pierce, you know, I, 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 I think I want you to see like this. Pierce this, try to pierce the signs of Allah. What I mean by that is, don't you just look at things, but try to look through them, break them down in in your mind. You know, so okay, say for example, I'm looking at this this cup. Yeah, okay, it's a cup. That's where that's where empiricism stops. Oh, it's a cup. That's that's where science stops. Okay, but let's think about this now. Let's break this down. This cup is made of materials. It's made of atoms. Uh, it's it was formed in a factory. So now let's break down the causal links. What does it take for this cup to hold its form? What does it take for this cup to hold its form? Well, it takes the laws of physics. It, the laws of physics have to be very, you know, a certain way. You know, the, the laws have to be a certain way for this cup to maintain its shape. Right? Because the, the, the bond between the atoms, etc., all of those things have to be in place for this cup to, to form. The cup has raw materials. The raw materials come from the earth. How did they come to be in the first place? So if you traverse back, go through the, that, that causal chain, inevitably, it will lead you to Allah. You know, we live in a world which allows, think about this, I mean, so you know, we get impressed sometimes when you make the design argument, the atheists turn around and say, oh, you're comparing something man-made to something natural. But what, the, 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 <laughs> what they don't realize, it's okay, let's take a man-made thing. Take, for example, a structure, the Eiffel Tower. Amazing structure, man-made structure. Well, let's break it down. Don't just look at the Eiffel Tower. Let's break it down. What did it take for the Eiffel Tower to be, to be created and for it to be where it is today? Well, it was conceived in the mind of a man, an idea which then was developed. Mathematical equations must have been drawn out. You know, Things must have been calculated. Raw materials must have been sourced from the earth. Then those things must have been put together. Mind of the, the, the mind of a man is something from the natural world. We are natural. We are from the earth. 
this mind has the ability, the order to be able to conceive of structures such as the Eiffel Tower. And then take raw materials which exist, how, you know, iron, steel, materials exist, put here for us. Take those materials, form them and shape them in a way. And for us, for those materials, for those, imagine this is the Eiffel Tower, for it to hold its position or its structure, the laws of physics have to be in place. Everything, can you see how everything has to come together for the things man makes to be made? And that in itself, again, it's a clear sign. That there is indeed a creator behind all of this Which not only created the material world Created the laws that were necessary For this world to exist Then created man Created the mind of the man Which had the ability Was ordered in, a such, in such a way That can then bring to fruition Things inside the eye of the mind And then bring them into existence A bottle, a phone, you know, a table SubhanAllah, think about this for a second if, and, and what do atheists have to say? What do they have to give us? Everything at the end of the day is a result of blind random physical processes. Atoms and molecules whizzing around for millions and millions of years which have randomly resulted in everything we see in the world today. I mean, if you want to buy that, then be my guest, honestly. It, it's, it's, it's one of the greatest lies that's been sold to humanity today in the 21st century. Seriously, man. To claim that everything has come from just nothing or random processes mindless uh, reactions and interactions is just pathetic you know to say the least honestly anyway let's move on okay um welcome salam to everyone that said said salams yeah look there's some points about evolution the best guy to 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 go to Subur. But one thing I would say in regards to evolution, something we should keep in mind is that evolution doesn't disprove God's existence. Even if, for the sake of argument, you were to acknowledge for a second that the Darwinian mechanism is true, or evolution is true, human evolution is true, hypothetically speaking. Not that we accept that from an orthodox perspective, but just hypothetically speaking. Even then, it doesn't prove that God doesn't exist. That God wasn't the one that created this process and allowed for it to take place. It's it still makes more sense that way. So and that's the irony. They they try to they try to use evolution against God and say because evolution is true according to them, therefore God doesn't exist. It doesn't logically follow. Okay. Was. Here's a question by Muhammad. He says, do you think ancient uh, pantheons of gods might have been real creatures that people worshipped? Maybe aliens or uber power, powerful jinns and creatures. Yeah, absolutely. Allah knows best. But it's very possible that, that human beings, uh, people ended up worshipping jinns Worshipping other human beings, etc. You know, I'm currently reading a book. It's quite an interesting book by by a guy called Graham Hancock. And he's quite a controversial figure uh, in the realm of history because he has some very interesting views in regards to human history. And his idea is that you know human beings, uh, the date, the, the the dates that 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 you know mainstream historians give us in regards to humanity or or civilizations being formed and the modern human being uh, developing, and 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 
going on from there is incorrect. He thinks it's far older. It's, 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 it's quite, well, he's got a new book called The Magicians, Magicians of the Gods, I think it's called. I think, I think that's what it's called. It's a very interesting book. He's not someone that's just like hocus pocus type, just says crazy stuff. He's actually has some very strong evidence to suggest what he's saying. And from an Islamic perspective, I mean, his, there's nothing wrong with his view. But one of his views is that ancient civilizations existed and there was some sort of there was a there was a global flood that took place or or a global cataclysm there was some sort of destruction that came uh, he refers to atlantis by the way was very interesting i think referring back to plato or was it aristotle i don't remember but that this isn't a myth that that you know the atlantis actually existed this place actually existed and it was a highly developed civilization uh, that had developed you know lots of uh, uh developed from a scientific and technological perspective and they had some amazing things that they had developed etc and what happened was that the, the that their civilization was wiped out because of a, a, a huge cataclysm a huge you know uh, maybe some asteroids or meteors from outer space or a global flood whatever the case was and then what they did was when humanity restarted if you like these people the survivors from atlantis then traveled to these people and gave them knowledge and taught them how to build certain things and gave them certain technologies, etc. And what's interesting, I think Plato, Aristotle, I don't remember which one it was, but when he, they speak about Atlantis, the reason they were destroyed was because they became immoral and, and they started doing bad things. And then the god or gods, according to them, destroyed destroyed the civilization. It's interesting because from an Islamic perspective, that at least makes sense. And I know I'm going off on a tangent, but we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He destroyed civilizations because they turned away from Allah. They became corrupt. And then Allah destroyed them, right? So it's interesting. There's a very interesting parallel there. But point being, going back to the original point, that if these people actually existed and then they traveled to other parts of the world and then taught their, what, their knowledge to these people that had now emerged again after this global cataclysm and gave them their knowledge and technology, they may have ended up worshipping them or seeing them as gods because they brought them something very powerful, right? Uh, so it could be jinn, it could be other people. But the point being, yeah, absolutely. I think some of the deities you see uh, of ancient people that they worshipped were definitely maybe referring back to you know certain jinns or maybe even other human beings that they ended up worshipping. So hopefully that addresses your question. It's obviously getting late because I'm realizing I'm going off on some crazy tangents right now, uh, which may not be too good. But let's wrap up soon, inshallah. Let's go through a few more questions. So if you guys have any other questions, please do put them in now, especially related to what we've discussed today, and we'll quickly answer them. Okay, I think we're good, guys. Alhamdulillah, I think we've come to the end of the questions. Mashallah, may Allah bless you guys for coming and joining the live stream. Um... We'll do, I'll do one next week as well, inshallah. I try to do one live every week. I actually prefer doing live streams than videos because I can interact with you guys and, and we can make this a bit more useful um, as far as at least directly where we can communicate with each other. Uh, share this, inshallah. Make sure to... If you guys haven't already, please click the notification bell because what happens on YouTube, one thing I've realized is whenever you put out new content, they don't. It, it doesn't. the algorithm doesn't send it to... Uh, all of the people that have subscribed to the channel but unless you click the notification bell so definitely click the, click the notification bell because whenever i post anything you'll be notified inshallah and, and these live streams as well 
share this. And like I said, just to summarize, brothers and sisters, look, we, as Muslims, we need to transcend what the world wants to sell us and take what Allah is telling us and the way Allah wants us to develop our minds, our bodies, our souls. Uh, you know, Allah's guidance is, is the guidance. There is no other guidance. So when it comes to what we discussed today, when it comes to getting closer to Allah, forget proving Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is a necessary reality you can't deny. But when it comes to getting closer to Allah, to understanding, trying to, to the best of our ability, understanding our Creator, the best way we can do it is through reflecting. One of the best ways is to reflect and ponder over the signs of Allah and engage with them in a very deep and meaningful way. Not just look at things. Because most of the time, we, and the reason we don't appreciate the signs of Allah is because we look at things. Okay, Allah speaks about the sky. He speaks about you know the sun. He speaks about the moon, uh, the earth. Okay, yeah, okay, I'm looking at these things, but they're not really having an impact on me. I'm not feeling it. And the reason is because we're not, we're not pondering upon them. We're not actually reflecting upon them. But to take time to do this and some a practical, I guess some practical tips would be to sit there, take one thing, ref, look at it, think about it, and think about it how it came to be. Firstly, go back, see what was required for it to be. And when you do this, you would inevitably come to the conclusion it's it's Allah. Try to pierce it. Like I said, you have to try to get through it. You know, these are these are codes, if you like, that we need to decode. You know, Allah's put enough there and He's given us enough here to be able to find Him and not only find Him but draw closer to Him and get to know Him. You know, because these, these, are, these are the signs of Allah. You will see patterns within the creation of Allah when you really start reflecting upon it. You know, the vines of a... You look at a leaf, there's, there's veins in a leaf. Uh, you look at the tree, it has branches. You know, you look at the branches, they have twigs, they come off in the same way. You look at the human body, it has veins very similar to that of a tree. You know, so uh, the orbits, the atoms have certain orbits and then those orbits are almost replicated on a grand scale within the, the, the solar system. And then the Milky Way galaxy is also very similar. Except it is this pat, this, you will see, start seeing patterns. And the more you see this, you will start to appreciate the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That you will see that there is one behind this. There is only one. The, the creation, the signs themselves will start to unravel themselves to you and they will scream out to you about and tell you and inform you about the Creator. That's where we want to get to. You know, so so just, just start engaging with the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's and not only would you get that, but the, the just I want you to appreciate something. The joy you will start to draw just through really struggling with this is is gonna be amazing, you know. And that's as human beings, we really thrive when we go through, you know, a squeeze, when we're squeezed. When we put through, when we do something difficult and something challenging, that's when we really are experiencing ecstasy and 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 a sense of achievement and a sense of uh, just just sheer joy. It's very hard to explain, but when you start doing this, you will enjoy the process as well, and that's the key, subhanAllah. Anyway, brothers and sisters, I leave you guys with this. May Allah bless you. I will see you guys next week, inshallah. Till next time, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.